what is shining from your life. Church of our God, arise and shine bright with the beams of truth divine. Good morning to each of you. I greet you in the name of our Master, our Savior. My mind goes many places as I ponder the message and the Sunday school lesson and different things that enter into my mind. Truth, truth being as that song said, radiated out that draws men to the, the glory of the bride of Christ. As we consider our Sunday school lesson and the call to come back to truth, to justice and an amending of our, of our ways, that idea of, of justice and Mercy is a theme, I believe, of many of the prophet's messages. One of the big cries was that of, of pride and, and haughtiness and putting down further the downcast, the downtrodden. And the call to, to lift up those that are, are cast down. And I think I referenced that here, perhaps the last time I preached, was that of the sin of Sodom was, was idleness and fullness of bread and haughtiness that, that scorned those that were depressed, downcast. The cry of the fatherless. This morning, how many of you here are children? How many of you have been children? All of us have been children. How many of you relate to children? Most of us relate to children. That means that there's something in this for every one of you. For a title, perhaps, Children Valued, Parents Respected. I'd like to look at several ideas or truths from Scripture. And I can't say exactly what brought this to my, to my mind and to my heart. But first of all, I would like to look at the blessing of children. Children are a foundational part of us as humans. Now, God created Adam and Eve as adults, we believe. And he gave them a, a blessing and a mandate in Genesis chapter 1. It says, and God blessed them 
and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. And there's only one way that mankind can fulfill that, and that is by children. Children are God's plan. Children are God's method of this multiplication, of being fruitful. And there's a familiar, very familiar psalm, Psalm 127, if you'd like to turn there. Psalm 127, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early and to sit up late and to eat the bread of sorrows. For so he giveth his beloved sleep. I'll just pause there. That verse I think sometimes some of us exercise ourselves too much in vanity. The pressures of life, we rise up early, we sit up late, and another translation perhaps is to, to eat the bread of toil or, or to be toiling long. We have our, our responsibilities, but do we have a proper focus in them? Verse 3 says, Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord. And the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed. They shall speak with the enemies in the gate. Children are an inheritance. It says here the heritage. An inheritance, a reward of the Lord. It's God's gift to us. And as parents, we have an awesome responsibility as we steward this gift. As we have homes, that they would be built on the Lord, that he would give the, the direction and he would be the focus. In verse 4, the picture here is that of arrows. Children as arrows in the hand of a mighty man. My arm is only so long. If I have a bow, I can shoot an arrow and it can accomplish something. My children will be able to do far more than I could ever do on my own. But you know, if I have an arrow and I throw it, I leave it in the quiver, it's accomplishing very little. I must guide, I must give a vision and a purpose to those arrows. And that as fathers, we have a tremendous responsibility. But the picture is here that, that these children will be a blessing, perhaps 
The word picture here also has the idea of speaking with enemies in the gate. They will protect, they will provide for a man in his older years. And that's also a concept that comes up later, that of children helping their parents. If you think of, of a man and what he's able to do and what his children are able to do, and to think of the temple. David desired to build the temple. He did not do it, but his son, Solomon, did. Children are a blessing. In Psalm 128, the next psalm here. Blessed is every one that feareth the Lord, that walketh in his ways. For thou shalt eat the labor of thine hands, happy shalt thou be, and it shall be well with thee. Thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house, thy children like olive plants round about thy table. Behold, that thus shall the man be, behold, that thus shall the man be blessed that feareth the Lord. The Lord shall bless thee out of Zion, and thou shalt see the good of Jerusalem all the days of thy life. Yea, thou shalt see thy children's children, and peace upon Israel. It's a picture of a godly man, a man that fears the Lord, that strives to walk with him. And one of the blessings here is mentioned that is, a, is that of a fruitful family. The blessing of children. Proverbs 17.6 says, Children's children or grandchildren are the crown of old men and the glory of children are their fathers. I see a beautiful relationship there of children that look up to their parents and their grandparents and they respect them. They are proud of them, shall we say. I remember being a child and being with other children and I don't remember all that's said, but my dad can do this better than your dad. My dad's better at this. My dad this. And it's childish prattle, perhaps we would say, but I think that's a little bit of this verse. The glory of children is their fathers. They look up to their dads. And our children... For those that are old enough to have grandchildren, they're a crown, it says. They're a blessing. We are warned not to despise children. In Matthew 18, verse 10, Jesus says, Take heed that ye despise not one of these little ones. For I say unto you that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. And in Luke 9, verse 46 to 48, it says, There arose a reasoning among them which of them should be greatest. And Jesus, perceiving the thought of their heart, took a child and set him by him, and said unto them, Whosoever shall receive this little child in my name receiveth me, and whosoever shall receive me receiveth him that sent me. For he that is least among you all, the same shall be great." And I don't know if I grasp the full impact of that verse. But that of valuing a child. That of humility. 
often we think of our tendency is as we as we grow, as we mature, we think of ourselves as better than than others, better than younger. And there is a fact of wisdom and, and maturity. But we also need not think that we are are superior just because we are older. We need to value children. Our culture today places little value on children in many respects. And as I consider the the age of of prosperity and of pleasure, children are often viewed as an add-on, a something that may not be desired, especially for a good long while in, in, in a young adult's life. I have a life to live, a career to pursue. And I think sometimes that attitude can, can get into our hearts a little bit as we want to pursue things, things for ourselves, things of this earth. I'm reminded again and challenged to value the children that God has given me and each of us. In Mark 10, there's an account. It's recorded in all three of the Gospels that record most of these. But Jesus is here with his disciples in Mark 10, verse 13. It says, And they brought young children to him, that he should touch them. And his disciples rebuked those that brought them. And when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased. And he said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not. For of such is the kingdom of, of God. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. And he took them up in his arms, and put his hands on them, and blessed them. Jesus confronted the attitudes of the disciples as they thought he was too important. To bother messing with these children. Eric, you too, man, tissue, please. But Jesus took time. He said, bring them, let them come. For such is the kingdom of heaven. And he blessed them. And I would like to think here of, of Jesus taking time to bless 
the children. Jesus touched them. Jesus blessed them. And I think here we do well to also consider taking time to touch our children, to hug them. As we have other children in our midst of, of other people's children, that we take time to acknowledge them, to shake their hand, whatever is appropriate, and to bless them, to encourage them, to let them know that we care about them and that we're glad that they're here. There's an interesting admonition, perhaps, that Paul speaks about in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. In verse 11, he's talking about how he has related to those there in, in the church at Thessalonica. And he says, As ye know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children. And that's not the complete thought. But what I want to pull from that is, he says, A father exhorts, comforts, and charges his children. And I think these are three very important important inputs into a child's life. Taking them a little bit out of order, perhaps, but the comfort. Comfort brings a sense of belonging. I'm glad you're my child. You belong. And what that does for a child to know that he is wanted and loved and we can, well, the, the second here being exhortation, that of, of encouraging and affirming. You are the way God made you. We love you. And the last one here, that of charged, that of urging on, that of giving direction to, that of of encouraging to purpose. And it's interesting, there's a very good example of this in Matthew 17. We have a prime example of this. Think of these three aspects, that of comforting, of giving a sense of belonging, that of encouraging, and of that of, of giving Validity and, and urging in a, in a mission. Matthew 17, verse 5 says, And while he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice out of the cloud which said, Whose voice is this? This is the voice of the Father. And he says, This is my beloved Son. In whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. This is my son. Belonging. That encouraging. I am well pleased with you. Hear ye him. He has a message. 
to our children. Let's speak these words of encouragement, of exhortation, and of urging. And to some of us, it may be easier than for others. But I hope we can see the treasure we have been entrusted with. And by the grace of God, we can speak life into their hearts and lives. The responsibility of parenting is huge. I understand that both Stalin and Hitler were severely beaten and almost killed by Christian fathers. What can happen when a child is mistreated, especially in the name of God? God help us to guide our children with love and truth. Children are a blessing. But number two, there's a need for godly discipline. Proverbs has much to say in this line. Proverbs 29, verse 17 says, Correct thy son, and he shall give thee rest. Yea, he shall give delight unto thy soul. When there's discipline, when there's correction, the child's conscience is cleared, there is good behavior, and there can be rest. Proverbs 13, 24. He that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him be times. The New King James would render that, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. The ESV would render that, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Here again, different of us have different personalities, different tendencies. We don't like confrontation. Whatever it may be, but we are instructed here that when there is a need for correction, for chastisement, for discipline, that it be done diligently, that it be done promptly. That shows something. It brings stability to the child's life and a sense of belonging as well. In Proverbs 3, verses 11 and 12, My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth. Even as a father, the son in whom he delighteth. If we delight in our children, we will bring the proper discipline and the proper attitude. Hebrews chapter 12 also speaks of discipline of God in relating it to our human fathers. I'd like to read verses 5 to 11 in the New King James, Hebrews 12, 5. 
And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as to sons. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom the father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then are you illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us as it seemed best to them. But he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. We as parents, children, are not perfect. We do what we think is best. God is perfect. And we all need to experience his chastening, his discipline, when we do what is wrong. Jesus said to the church at Laodicea in Revelation 3.19, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Parents, be diligent and consistent in disciplining your children in love. We also need the disciplining of our Father because that's what gives us the right to be called children. And children, understand that while your parents aren't perfect like God is, they discipline you because, as they think is best because they love you. Our discipline should portray that. It should carry that message. And they should be able to understand that. But I admit that I have not always portrayed that message as I ought. As I considered the value, the blessing of children, my mind also went to something I've heard recently, and I'm not sure totally how, but looking at the as I mentioned earlier, the society in which we live. And I'd like to look at something that is not pleasant, but the scripture speaks to it often. And that was the idea and the abomination that the children of Israel got carried up in. And that was of child sacrifice. And actually, our, our Sunday school lesson text in Jeremiah 7 spoke of it. And I was a little surprised because I have here in my notes another selection from Jeremiah that says almost the exact same thing. I'd like to begin looking at this in Deuteronomy chapter 12. Verse 29 
says, When the Lord thy God shall cut off all the nations from before thee, whither thou goest to possess them, and thou succeedest them, and dwellest in their land, take heed to thyself that thou be not snared by following them, after that they be destroyed from before thee, and that thou inquire not after their gods, saying, How did these nations serve their gods? Even so will I do likewise. Thou shalt not do so unto the Lord thy God, for every abomination to the Lord, for every abomination to the Lord which he hated, have they done unto their gods. For even their sons and their daughters they have burned in the fire to their gods. So that's a warning, be careful. In Leviticus 18, verse 21, it says, Thou shalt not let any of thy seed or thy children pass through the fire to Molech, neither shalt thou profane the name of thy God, I am the Lord. Who could imagine such things? Offering your children as a sacrifice to an idol. Listen here to the word that came to Jeremiah in verse 1 of chapter 19 of Jeremiah. Jeremiah 19 verse 1. Thus saith the Lord God, go and get a potter's earthen bottle and take of the ancients of the people and of the ancients of the priests and go forth into the valley of the son of Hinnom, which is by the entry of the east gate, and proclaim there the words that I shall tell thee. And say, Hear ye the word of the Lord, O kings of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will bring evil upon this place, the which whosoever heareth his ears shall tingle. Because they have forsaken me and estranged this place and have burned incense in it unto other gods, whom neither they nor their fathers have known, nor the kings of Judah, and have filled this place with the blood of innocence. I think that could be children there as well. Verse 5, They have built also the high places of Baal to burn their sons with fire for burnt offerings to Baal, which I commanded not, nor spake it, neither came it into my mind. Therefore, for in judgment, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that this place shall be no more called Tophet, nor this valley of the son of Hinnom, but the valley of slaughter. Baal worship called for this. My understanding is that Baal worship consisted of three main facets. The first being sexual promiscuity and perversion. Tremendous depredation. Degradation of, of what God had called holy. And the second part was child sacrifice. And the third, a worship of the natural world. And those kind of played on each other. The first brought on an onslaught of unwanted children. And those were needed to appease Baal. And so the child sacrifice. And why, why do we even need to think about these things? And I did not take time to look at statistics, but how different is it in our society today? I said three things. Sexual perversion, child sacrifice, and the worship of nature. We call it personal rights and expression, freedom of choice, and radical environmentalism. 
our society, the fringe, side fringe, which is sadly becoming mainstream in people's uh, acceptance of, not that everyone would believe that way, but we can see these things being brought out and lived. We don't call it Baal worship. We call it normal. I just want us to be aware that these things are pressures around us. The abortion that is happening in the country in the last 50 years, can you believe the cry of God's heart? Children are a blessing. Ezekiel, but before I go there, I just say this. Let's not forget that the pagan practices of the past can be just as alive today, just with a different face. Let's not forget to call them what they are, the works of Satan, how he would have the world to go. In Ezekiel 16, Verse 20. Moreover, thou hast taken thy sons and thy daughters, and thou hast borne unto me, and these hast thou sacrificed unto them to be devoured. Is this of thy whoredoms a small matter? Notice verse 21. That thou hast slain my children and delivered them to cause them to pass through the fire. Whose are the children? My children, God says. Lastly, I would like to look at another aspect of children. And that is children's respect for parents and elders. Children, y'all listen up. I'm not going to have you come up here for a children's meeting, but I'm going to tell you a little story. There's a story recorded in 2 Kings. And... It's a story about Elisha. Right before Elisha, before this story, Elijah was the kind of the mentor of Elisha. Elijah, do you remember Elijah? He did a lot of miracles and spoke out for the kings. He prayed that it wouldn't rain, and it didn't rain for three years, and then he prayed and it did rain. But then God took him up to heaven. And Elisha saw those horses and chariots of fire. And then it's shortly after that, there, was a, there were people in the city of, of Jericho and their water was terrible. They got sick from drinking it. When they put it on their crops, it says their crops died. So if they watered their garden with the water out of the main well or spring that they had, their plants got sickly. You know, it's really dry right now. And I think a number of you probably have gotten sent out to water the garden. I know our children have. We want to water things, but the water didn't even help. And so they said, Elisha, please come help our water. And he asked for a bowl with salt, and they put some salt in the water, and he said, it'll all be fixed now. Now, I don't think you should go out and put a bunch of salt in your water to fix your plants, but that's what God had Elisha do. It says, then he went up from thence to Bethel. So he was going to another place. And as he was going by, there came out children. Now, these probably weren't really little children, but they were children. 
maybe some young boys. And it was evidently a bunch of them, and I know what can happen. I was a young boy, too. And you can get a bunch of young boys around, and they start talking to each other, and they can soon do things they shouldn't. And they saw this man, and I don't know what it was about him. It says bald head. I don't know if he had a bald head. He probably wasn't a very old man. But there was something where they said, Go up, thou bald head. Go up, thou bald head. And they mocked him, made fun of him. Someone thought maybe they were saying, Just go up like Elijah did. Some others think maybe they were saying, Go away. But whatever it was, he said, You naughty children, God's going to punish you for saying ugly things. for mocking, for making fun of, a, of an older man. And it says two bears came out of the woods and it says terror tore up a bunch of those children. Now, we don't, we're glad that God doesn't strike us down or, or make us die because we say unkind things to those older people. And God has mercy on us. But that's a story that can help us remember that it's very important what we say to older people. Even especially as they get old enough that they can't walk very good sometimes, they might need a walker or a cane. We don't want to make fun of them. Leviticus 19 verse 32 says, Thou shalt rise up before the hoary head or the white head. Someone with white or gray hair, that's usually an old man or woman, says, and honor the face of the old man, and fear thy God. I am the Lord. So there's a specific instructions to rising up. Now, some we don't, we don't do that in our culture the way they some still do, but when an older person would come in the room, you would stand up, maybe even give them your, your chair if there's not another chair. Be respectful of older people. In Job, there were three friends of, a, of Job. It was actually four. But three of them came and they, they were saying a lot of things that another man didn't think was right, but he was younger. And in Job 32, it says, And Elihu, the son of Barakal, the Buzzite, answered and said, I am young and ye are old. Wherefore, I was afraid and durst not show you mine opinion. I said, days should speak, and the multitude of years should teach wisdom. So he said, I, as a young person, young man, I need to let the old men speak because they probably know more than I do. But then he says, there is a spirit in man, and the inspiration of the Almighty giveth him understanding. Great men are not always wise, neither do the aged understand judgment, but he still respected them. Even though they were saying things that wasn't just right, he waited till they had quit talking before he talked. Which I think fits with the verse in Proverbs 16.31. It says, The hoary head is a crown of glory if it be found in the way of righteousness. So, just being an old man is not wonderful necessarily if it's not a person walking after God. But children, there's a verse in Exodus 20. I think all of you know it if you're old enough to talk. 
Very likely, you've heard it at least. It says, Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Honor thy father and thy mother. It was a very important commandment. Later in Exodus, there's some pretty straight words, some pretty harsh words that says, He that smiteth his father or mother shall be put to death, and he that curseth his father and mother shall be put to death. It was an important thing to be careful how we relate to those in authority over us. In Mark 7, this relates to not just to children, but to those of us that are older. In verses 9 to 12, he says, And he said unto them, Full well ye reject the commandment of God, that ye may keep your own tradition. For Moses said, Honor thy father and thy mother, and whoso curseth father and mother, let him die the death. But ye say, If a man shall say to his father and mother, It is Corban, that is to say, a gift. By whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, he shall be free. And ye suffer him no more to do aught for his father or mother. This isn't a small child. This is someone that is mature that is saying, oh, well, my parents may be suffering. They may be in want and in need, but the things that should be to take care of you, I've given them to God, so I can't help you out. Jesus says that is wrong. Your tradition has made so you can't even do what God, the commandment of honoring your father and mother On respect to those of us older, it says, and younger. It says in 1 Peter 5, 5, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. And in 1 Timothy 5, Rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father. And the young men as brethren, the elder women as mothers, the younger as sisters with all purity. In conclusion, just a final thought. My, my burden is that we can embrace the blessing and the responsibility of our children, realizing that they are a gift on loan from God. And that we also, as children in all ages, that we respect those that are older, those that are in authority over us. That we can have humility as we relate to each other and that we can, can be good examples to those around us and how we relate to others.